Welcome to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. Teen Financial Freedom is a personal finance blog run by teens who are on a mission to equip their peers with the knowledge, resources, and understanding they need to become financially free for the rest of their lives. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm Jacob, and today I am joined by Ian Cohen, who is a new member to the TFF team. We're super excited to have him. He's going to kind of be helping us with the podcast management side of things, basically kind of reaching out to guests and coordinating those interviews and just allowing the main hosts just to show up to the interview, record it, and then uh, be good to go from that point. So Ian's going to help us sort of manage the whole podcast process. So we're super excited to have him. And we think it's really going to allow us to grow to a whole new level. We're actually, um, we just introduced this month, several new members to the team. Ian is one of three. So we're going to have six members now on the team. Uh, We also have a new social media designer and then another new podcast host. So we're going to be sharing their episodes in the coming weeks as well. So stay tuned for that. But we're just super excited to be expanding our team. Uh, We have a lot of goals with TFF and we just think uh, these new team members are going to allow us to accomplish those goals so much better. But uh, enough of that. Uh, Let's let's go ahead and dive into our interview with Ian. Ian, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on here. And thank you so much for letting me join the amazing blog and podcast. Of course, man. We're, we're stoked to have you. So the first thing I always like to ask our guests is kind of about their, their background, their upbringing, some basic information about you, like your age, where you live would be good, but then also kind of share what you've been involved in so far um, throughout your life. You don't have to get too detailed because I'm going to ask you about a couple of those businesses later. Um, but then also just like, what was your upbringing like? Like, did your parents talk about money, uh, that type of thing? Or was it kind of a, a taboo subject in your house? You know, what what exactly was your, your background and upbringing? I am 15. I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I grew up until about two years ago, which I moved away at the end of my seventh grade. I moved to the California, to the Bay Area, um, about an hour from San Francisco here in California. And um, throughout my life, my dad has worked in business. He holds an MBA, which he got right after I was born. He works in continuous improvement. He used to work for United Healthcare, but now works for another health insurance company in California, which is why we had to move. And then my mom has always been a middle school, elementary school, and currently a high school school counselor. Okay. So... Throughout my life, my dad was the one handling the money. My mom has been an, is an immigrant from um, South America, from the country of Peru, which I have been to many times. So she never really understood finance. She honestly drowned herself in debt and really lagged the family behind in finance. And my grandparents who moved in when I was born were always were also not uh, capable of their finances and they ended up credit card debt sadly but my dad was the one really dragging us out of everything trying to lead us to a better financial situation Hmm. okay it's good to know and then tell us a little bit about what you're involved with are you are you a freshman in high school this year or a sophomore i am starting my sophomore year actually two days after this recording oh wow that's pretty early we're recording this uh late july so you're starting in july huh Welcome to California. Yeah, that's how it works, huh? That's interesting. No summer. You're a sophomore in high school. Are you involved with anything in your school? I know, I think you mentioned you do cross country. 
Yes. Um, so my freshman year, I started doing, I joined a cross country team at my school just for like the sake of it. Honestly, I'm just going to be honest. But I really enjoyed running. Like um, at for, first, my form was horrible. Like if anyone knows running, heel striking is the best way to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. But my coaches were great mentors and they really helped me get up to speed. And I beat my times by two minutes by the end of the season. But unfortunately, I got injured right before my track season, which was right after cross country. But yeah, um, I am a junior varsity cross country runner for my school's team. And then I am planning on starting a finance club at my school. Oh. And I am a treasurer to a climate justice club. Okay, cool. Uh, I've actually been involved in um, numerous of those things uh, at my school. I uh, did uh, track and cross country. Um, but I actually struggled with injuries as well. So I, I only actually, I never completed a full season of any of those sports throughout my whole four years of high school because of injuries. Um, so definitely can relate to you there. Uh, as far as the, the clubs, I was in FBLA as well. Uh, or, I mean, I know you weren't in FBLA, but it's a business club that you were kind of talking about. Uh, and so you were, or you are the treasurer of the, um, the climate club. And then um, your finance club. I'm interested to hear about that. How exactly uh, is that going to work? Like, I, I don't know too many teens who actually have started clubs at their school. How, how did that sort of happen? And what exactly is your vision for that? Well, I hate to use COVID as an excuse for stuff, but COVID is a great excuse at this moment. But so I always like, right, it was right before my um, high school, like in eighth grade, where I really had my financial upbringing from a video from Graham Stephan, which we can talk about later if you want. Yeah. But um, so I my club is going to be sponsored by this non-for-profit based out of Texas called the Cash Club Corp, which are a group of high schoolers who put together presentations and allow you to start chapters at your school. So it's like FBL, FBLA, but for um, finance and schools. Cool. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Um, like you said, your financial upbringing a little bit. Uh, you said that happened about a year ago with Grand Stefan. Do you remember sort of like the first time when you became interested in finance? Was it always an interest that you had or was there sort of one specific moment that kind of changed things for you? Well, my favorite memory is just stumbling across my dad's office like when I was at a young age and seeing like an orange spreadsheet asking him, what the heck is that? He said, <laughs> it's our budget. And then after my first communion, I opened up my savings account at Bank of America, which it sucks, but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> interest rates back then. But he helped me set up like a budget on my um, very old computer that won't even turn on. So I unfortunately don't even have to file to it anymore. Mm-hmm. But like I always like was curious, what is finance my whole life? But I was watching December 2019 where I stumbled across a video on Graham Stephan's second channel. It's about this doctor making $1.3 million and how she budget. And I wanted to be a doctor at the time. I'm like, $1.3 million. You're kidding me, right? <laughs> That's a lot, yeah. And then from there, I just stumbled across more of his videos because YouTube kept on recommending me. Right. And once it earned Roth IRA, there was no turning around. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think we all have like very similar stories to that where um, maybe we kind of always had like an interest in finance somewhat or we were at least curious about it. And then we uh, started to kind of budget either on our own or with some help from like a parent or a friend or something like that. And then, yeah, kind of stumbling into that 
um, like all those financial YouTubers like Graham Stephan, Andre Jick, you know, all those guys. Meet Kevin. Meet Kevin, yeah, all of them. So, yeah, just definitely can relate to you there as well. I want to start talking about your businesses a little bit. I don't know which one you want to start with, um, but I know you have an eBay business, a recycling business, and then you're also involved in a few other organizations. Uh, and so, I mean, do you have a preference for what we start with? Totally up to you. Too. Both of my businesses were started about the same month. Which one Which one was started first? I have to say my eBay business. All right. All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about eBay. I actually, um, I've done stuff on eBay before. Uh, Terry, another one of our podcast hosts has done stuff on eBay before. So kind of interested to hear your perspective on the whole business, but um, just tell us a little bit about it. Like what was the, the business model? Well, it was back in May of 2020. So we were like deep in COVID, okay. not knowing what we were all doing for our lives. Yeah. So I guess had this idea in the back of my hand, like eBay. So I started watching YouTube videos and I'm like, okay, I can sell like whatever random junk I can find, which is how I got started. And my mom got these like boxes called Boxy Charms with cosmetics she would get. And like she would only use half of them and the other half would just be like in a drawer. Mm-hmm. So I had to watch quite a few videos to like convince myself this is a smart idea to like convince my parents. And it was just like one video from Daily Refinement of this girl who was 13 a few years ago. She's now like 18. Uh, her name was Julia. And she started a closing reselling business on eBay. I'm like, if she's 13 and pulled that off, I can do it. Right. Okay. So you're, you just started by looking for junk around the house. Is that yeah. correct? Um, I started off with um, like a few old plushies I had from like my YouTube years, like in elementary school. <laughs> And then some of the old cosmetics my mom didn't want, like they were brand new by me. She didn't want them. Mm-hmm. So I sold a few, like my first sale actually occurred within 30 minutes. Wow. It was like a $25 sunglass. She got in one of these boxes. Hmm. That's crazy. And then have you, have you sort of changed the business model since then? Are you still? Oh yeah. I've taken still- a different approach all right what are you doing now so what's about so towards the end of training training my business really was like dying off but this is when my other business was starting to take off so it's like whenever one business is not doing well i switch to the other because mm-hmm. it's doing well so at the beginning of this year like january I, re- I noticed i was starting to get an uptick in sales like very slowly after a few like ebay mistakes and business mistakes i learned the hard way mm-hmm. which I don't want to get into this still make this podcast like two hours long. <laughs> well, I can write blog posts on this. Sure. But, um, so I, I learned that there was this um, way to buy huge boxes of inventory, like 150 or even a thousand pieces. But my only fear was the high capital cost. So after a lot of thinking, I realized cosmetics are so easy to ship and sell. There's always demand for them. And it's like, not that hard to list on eBay. Hmm. You only need the UPC. So I bought my first 50 piece stock. And from there, my eBay store has gone up and then it started falling, which I don't want to talk about. <laughs> um, I've heard of this before though, and I was considering it myself. What is this, what is this business model called? Do you, it's not, um, is it wholesale or is it? Well, I buy whole, it's really reselling. I, um, it's not like 
like the typical resale, you would think like you would go to Goodwill and buy clothes and shoes, like Rally Roots, one of the biggest eBay influencers would do. Uh-huh. But um, it's like, oh, buy these big lots and you're like shelf pull. It's stuff that CVS wants to get rid of. Like I get a lot of CVS cosmetics. Okay. Okay. And I would just sell them with free shipping on eBay. Like I learned how to like market my stuff on eBay. It's just like, I will buy them for a dollar and eight cents each and sell them for $5.99 and make a tiny profit, which I have my eBay figures if you want to hear them. Yeah, sure. Uh, one sec. I want to have, ask one more question before we get into that. Yeah. I heard of, so you're just getting these from like local CVS pharmacies. You're not like no, I, buying, you're not buying them from, because um, I've what I've heard of is you can get on like. Uh, Alibaba, like this big Chinese website where they, you can buy like a thousand pieces of something at a time and then go sell them on eBay um, for a huge markup. Is, is that what you're doing more so, or is it more like just finding kind of local items that you're getting at like a bulk discount? Well, the Alibaba thing, it's, it's like drop shipping. That is my dream to get into. Mm-hmm. But right now I, there are big companies like Wholesale Ninjas that will sell you like a hundred pieces for over a hundred dollars. But I wanted a small capital, like entry cost. Mm-hmm. So I went on eBay and I looked up 50 piece wholesale makeup lot. And I found a seller that was selling these. Like I believe they got them from the bigger company and then marked them up slightly and sell to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't go to the pharmacy. I buy them from a seller who has their sources from CVS who would sell them to a bigger company. Then he would buy them from that company. Then I'll buy them from him. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, let's get into these numbers a little bit. I mean, just to start with, do you kind of have like a rough estimate of like what you would buy these, did you say packs of 50 for? Um, I have gone up to a hundred pieces, but normally it would be 50 pieces at a time. And, and what does that usually cost? You said like a hundred bucks or is that? No. For So my average cost is a dollar and eight cents. So it's around $55 for a 50 piece and for a hundred, it's about um, like a hundred and something. Okay. Okay. And then you're, um, we'll just say, yeah, about a dollar um, per unit that your cost is. And what exactly are you selling each unit for? Uh, right now, my average sale price is $5.99 with free shipping and a 4% ad fee plus the eBay fees. Okay. Yeah. And, and how much is that shipping usually on that? Uh, shipping my it's um three forty nine. That's okay. all the way to the east coast from California. Okay. So I learned my way around the USPS shipping to like factor that into my pricing. Okay, yeah, that was definitely something I had to kind of figure out as well as factoring in those shipping prices into yeah. your your With prices. Prior business model, I was selling all kinds of different stuff, so it was very hard to learn like how um, shipping work, but with small things that weigh less than three ounces, I learned my way in like a week. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it way easier. So, I mean, do you have other um, numbers you want to share as far as like the sales uh, that you've done or? So I have my number for sales after fees. Like I went through my bank statements for tax purposes, of course, but um, so in sales after my eBay fees, I have done over a thousand dollars year to date. Wow. That's <laughs> That's good money. I mean, teens don't. My profit is only two hundred dollars. Oh, where does that come from? Um, I mean, like, where, prof- where's the eight hundred dollars in uh, expenses? Well, eight hundred dollars is an inventory cost, which is um 
I don't do like cost of goods like per item sold. It's like if I bought it that month, it's in my monthly statement. Right. So I've like so like a thousand pieces of stuff not sold yet. But from that and from my um shipping, shipping is the most expensive part mm. of selling. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And that makes so much sense now. I mean, I was kind of impressed. So like you're selling these kind of cheap cosmetic products and you, you've made a thousand dollars a year to date, but nope, you got $800 worth of expenses. That 14% kind of... profit margin painful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not the best, but that's exactly what I kind of ran into too with my uh, eBay business was it's those shipping costs and those inventory costs that are going to eat you alive. So, yeah, uh, I mean, do you have plans for kind of like changes you want to make you said like your ebay business was kind of dying are you trying to make changes to bring it back to life are you just moving on to bigger and better things what's the plan right now i haven't seen how i've been going to bigger and better things like i was just listening to your most recent episode of getting out from mental rut mm-hmm. which i am kind of in with ebay <laughs> so i have been listed in the last three weeks which as an ebay seller that's not good and there were a few mistakes on my end for not doing inventory audit which i'll cover in my monthly review on the blog mm-hmm. that made my seller rating drop so my fees are higher ebay punishes you for making mistakes by charging more fees mm, i know that but school is starting in two days so i hope to be able to figure out why am i going to do with my ebay store like i was seriously considered just shutting this down but i'm like no it's making me money on the side right i can't shut this down i keep it going so i hope to be able to just figure out where am I going wrong and find cheaper inventory. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I mean, how much, how much time is this taking you? Like, let's say per item, how much time does it take you to ship that out? Per item, because it's cosmetic, I don't have to take photos of it. I use stock photos and I just type in the UPC and like everything's there for me. So per item with shipping, ordering, everything, I only spend about less than 10 minutes. Okay. I mean, and then you, yeah, you make a couple bucks from that. So I mean, it's that's, like, that's why I don't want to shut down my store. It's like, it's right. as passive as I'm getting. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's about as passive as you can get as a teenager. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still work you got to put in. And so, yeah, you probably want to find a slightly more efficient way. Like you were saying to do it going forward. Otherwise it's probably not worth your time, but I, I do like what you're thinking. I think this into something big. So it sounds like uh, some great stuff going on there. Do you want to kind of get into your uh, recycling business now? Well, I don't know exactly how to explain it. So if you ever looked at a bottle of water or can of soda, you'll see like a thing that says CRV. If you don't know what that means, you would think it's a Honda car. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> like That's what I thought first living in New Mexico. But it's like a deposit system that several other states have that when you buy like a bottle of water, it's five cents. And if you buy something that's over 24 fluid ounces, it's about 10 cents. And you can take it back to like a recycling center and they'll pay you back. So what I do, I take this on a larger scale and I collect from people. And my whole premise is this money is going to my college fund. I have not touched a single penny since I started this business of anything like everything has gone straight to a five to nine and i don't even use that money to pay for gas or anything my um dad covers the gas and the bags and everything for me cool no this guys this is a crazy 
crazy business. Ian has told us about this before, but he's kind of making some insane money for a teenager. Chase um, so- Betty, um <laughs> wanted to know more. Yeah, no, dude, we're super interested in this. So, I mean, I can ask you a whole bunch of questions, but I kind of just want to get straight into like the financials. I think you said you had some of those numbers to share with us as well. Yeah. So last night in preparation for this episode, I went through every single um, scrapyard receipt I have gotten and I have made $6,711.33. Jeez, man. And that is not accounting for the $1,000 sitting in my garage. (laughs) And I mean, the crazy thing is how long have you been running this business for since like around May of 2020 as well? Yep. Okay. And it's, oh, go ahead. And it's about May where I really took off. May of this year? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I think my understanding is that you've made a majority of that 6,000 this year though, right? In 2021? No, this 6,000 is year to date. Oh, okay. It wasn't even including last year. Yeah. So that's super good money. Yeah. yeah that's, that's awesome. So you're on track to do what about 10,000 throughout the year? Um, yeah. And salsa is the goal. All right, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really good money. I remember, uh, when I used to work, uh, at a grocery store, I made, I don't remember exactly, but somewhere in between like five and 10,000, certainly less than 10,000 every single year. Uh, so I, I would say like most teens probably aren't making $10,000 a year, especially from a business. So kudos to you, man. That sounds like it's an awesome business, but let's, let's sort of get into these numbers a little bit more. Um, I mean, you've done 6,000 something, you know, year to date, and then you have around a thousand dollars sitting in your garage, which you told me yesterday that you always have around a thousand dollars sitting in your garage. I've been that busy. (laughs) And so explain to our audience kind of how this, how this system works. I know you said you kind of started out with, um, social media and from there you got some clients, but then since I don't know when exactly the switch happened, but you've basically um, stopped advertising on social media, which uh, just to referral word of mouth based advertising. Is that correct? Yes. So um, in May of 2020 after, so this older lady, I live in a city with a lot of retirement communities. So this older lady on this site called Nextdoor, which is also just IPL this year. So it might be fresh in some people's minds. It's like Facebook, but on a very local mm-hmm. city level. Like you can only see within your city or even some neighborhoods in your city may not even be on next door for some reason. Mm-hmm. But this older lady listed on the marketplace there some cans. So after picking them up from her, I remember my uncle told me right before the pandemic, you should do door-to-door pickups. And I didn't take them seriously. Until that moment when I realized this lady just gave me cans. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from there, I created a, um, that ad, but like from there, I slowly got people like texting and calling me like slowly. And then I built up a base of like 20 to 30 people every month I'll see. But it was really this year where everything changed, where I started to use flyers and magnets. So every new person will go to and my regular, I'll give them a magnet and a flyer. Hmm. And that's where my business really took off by using that word of mouth. Hmm. That's crazy. So 
explain to us these numbers a bit more. You, you mentioned at the start with that CRV uh, that it, it's, is it usually like five to 10 cents per, per can or bottle? Yes, but when I take it to the scrapyard, it's five pounds. So plastic, like the water bottle plastic is $1.27 per pound, while aluminum is $1.65 per pound. Okay, so I mean, in order for you to do $6,000 worth of sales, you are, you're, I mean, hauling, like, I don't know, is it hundreds, if not thousands of pounds? To, to no, thousands. thousands. So per scrap, yeah, per scrap yard trip, I do, I take 100 pounds of plastic and 100 pounds of aluminum, because that is the limit. The state of California limits you to 100 pounds per material per scrap yard per day. Okay. So I go to two different scrap yards each Saturday. <laughs> okay, so two different scrap yards each Saturday. Are you, are you doing pickup throughout the whole week or is it on one day, one specific day you no. go get it all? It was this month where I started doing one specific day. So I forgot to mention back in April, I, ha- I only have one girl who was my competition who was in college. She will also do pickups and she has done it before I even moved into the city. Mm-hmm. So it's really stepping on her turf. But um, she was moving away, so I get a phone call from her saying, I'll give you my clients. And that's where I really, really took off. That's insane. And that's I mean, when I had to stop advertising because I was so busy. Right. And at that time, every after advertisement I did, I would get five new people. Like, I would sit on my computer and wait for the text messages, which would come in within 10 minutes. Are you kidding? That's insane. I used a lot of Facebook groups. Holy cow. That's nuts. So I mean, trust me, I can make this episode two hours long. <laughs> hey man, we might just have to do a couple more in the future to hear about all these uh, tips maybe, you have to offer. Maybe but... business strategy, with right. business. Right. So I guess I'm curious, how exactly does this girl just give you all of her clients? Like, did she? She obviously knew about you. Had you had previous communication with her? No, nope. actually, I had some beef with her. Because there was this one lady uh, next door making a post asking, hey, what's the information to the young man picking up bottles? And she advertised herself on oh, that comment sad. section. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. no. That's funny. <laughs> because she had her side of town where I noticed I barely got anyone, but I really saw they were promoting her there. So it's like, okay, you got that side of town, and I got this side in the other cities. Okay. So... She knew about me, like she knew I was on her tour, and she had about 150 people, she said to me at one time. And she has done this before the pandemic, like 2019. Jeez. I mean, and her premise was also her college fund. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah, it's a great strategy to kind of just do this hustling while you're in high school and just save it for college. Yeah. It's a brilliant idea. And I, I mean, one, I guess. <laughs> I want to know, well, I have a few more questions. One, okay, so you have these clients and you pick up, you know, on a specific day at once a week. Is that right? Yes, every week. This I have, so er, cities outside my um, area are alternating Sundays, but my city is always on one day where I have the book of my clients now. Okay. And you go do the pickup. How... How many pounds would you say like each uh, household or whatever you want to call it usually has like how many pounds of it does each client usually have for you to pick up? I stopped measuring that metric 
when I really took off. Like once I started getting five people a day, and mm-hmm. I gave up. But before it would be like one or two pounds. But when you have 10 people one day and everyone's different, I can right. be dropped, stopping at my house three times during that 10 out, 10 stop leg. Like yeah. yesterday was my pickup day, and I was texting Chase photos every time I stopped at my house. And my dad's huge pathfinder was filled up to the rim of bags. That's crazy, man. So I guess, I mean, at this point, to me, it seems like you've sort of hit your limit in terms of um, how much time you have, how many pounds you can do um, each day, you know, that kind of thing. So my question is, are you trying to scale this business any further? Maybe looking at um, hiring employees? Is that a thought? No, um, that is honestly not a thought because it doesn't really work well with the premise that it's just me and my college fund. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, yeah, if you're not touching the money and it's hard to kind of hire an employee, I mean, but do you think you could hire, I don't know what minimum wage is in California. Um, um, it's, I cannot do minimum wage here. It's like 14 bucks. Right. Yeah. So paying somebody that per hour, it's, it's probably not quite worth it. Is it? No. no. Um, I'm honestly, yeah. Like you said, I'm at my max. Like my, I store everything on my side yard and it, Honestly, I feel bad to my neighbors. It's not any city code violation because it's within the gate, but the gate's metal and transparent. Mm. Kind of. So I feel bad. Like we have to position the trash cans to hide the pile. That's funny. And like I was working on my cans right before this. And it's just like, it's like painstaking. I use a compactor for the cans. It's like, oh my God, even for compact, it's still got so much. Yeah. Like there are so many strategies I've used to scale this to its max that we have to cover in another episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to have you back on. Um, and then we've got my 529, which I'm sure we won't even talk about. Yeah. <laughs> because that's where all the money's going. Because I understand time in the market is everything. Yes, for sure. Especially if you're kind of uh, on the younger side, you know, you're only a sophomore in high school now. You got plenty of time yep. before college. Um. So kind of last question about this recycling business. You're not really looking to scale it any further. Um, You've sort of hit your max. And I mean, it sounds like you're having really, really good success with this. Do you think this is a repeatable concept that other people um, could do themselves? I know, I know we've kind of talked about it as a TFF team and, you know, we've realized that you've got to be in a certain state like California, like you to really have this work. Uh, One, are there other states? that this works well in and then two is this something that like anybody could start if they wanted to well right now i'm staring at my costco wire boat on my hand <laughs> like um jacob can see on my screen <laughs> so it's hawaii connecticut and oregon that also have this system but i don't understand how it works in their states and i think other states have it but it's not this than this bottle so it is repeatable it's just we need to cover another book podcast about how to do this sure yeah we definitely will just so crazy how i was able to start this business with such a simple concept yeah for sure i mean so can you just like look at the the bottles that you have sitting around your house to kind of like see which states are are uh like eligible for this i guess yeah so there's um new york massachusetts connecticut um i don't know what state me 
Delaware, Vermont, Oregon, Iowa. I like so many states. Yeah. That this is repeatable in, but I don't know what their laws are or if it's like a reverse vending machine at a store. Here, <laughs> I go to an auto scrapyard that you'll see trucks from construction sites come in too. Hmm. That's crazy. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely have to do a couple more podcast episodes about this and kind of see how we could um, scale or, or maybe potentially how you scaled your business at the point where you're at now talk about that business strategy and then also talk about how other people could repeat that repeat this for themselves. Um, so we'll talk about more of this in future episodes. So stay tuned for that guys. Ian, I want to turn it over to you at this point and kind of give you the option to sort of give our audience one final, like call to action piece of advice that you have for other people that are your age, um, whether it's like um, personal finance related, whether it's um, self-improvement related, whether it's business related, whatever you think is kind of like one of the biggest, or maybe a couple pieces of advice you have for other people. Uh, I think our audience would love to hear that. But I just say, just go for whatever opportunities in front of you. Like I never saw a millionaires early. Season. Like we have not even talked about my other like projects or involvement in nonprofits in this right. episode. I feel like we have to do white background part two <laughs> to cover those. So it's just like, go forever opportunity is in front of you. And don't be afraid of like change. Hmm. Like I changed a lot since starting this business. And I'm like, whatever business idea you have, go after it. Just make sure it's worth your time, which I can go on a whole spiel about too. <laughs> no, I love that. That's perfect advice. Just, you know, I've been thinking about this quote a lot lately, and that is, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And so just like Ian is saying, go with the opportunities that are in front of you. Um, you're already prepared to take advantage of those because you're educating yourself with podcasts like this. Um, you're, you know, learning skills at whatever you're doing right now yeah. in your life, just take those opportunities, run with them. And you, you never know, you might get really lucky like Ian has with this business. I mean, I mean, it's luck in one sense, but also a lot of hard work, yeah. a lot of stuff he's put into it. Yeah. Yesterday I was talking to a friend I've not talked to before the pandemic that I've known since kindergarten. And I was explaining to him how successful I have been. And I realized this is all because I watched one finance video. Mm. So yeah. you guys are right under correct journey listening to this episode right now <laughs> you know finance you can do anything right no that's perfect and that's something i've also thought quite a bit about just how like that one i mean i've thought about one person can change your life but it could be one video one podcast one book one graham stefan one graham stefan that might be the, the title of this you need graham stefan on the podcast Sign our petition. Yeah. Man, we're going to get him on someday. All right, Ian, we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really no, thank you for having me here. This. Yeah, really enjoyed hearing about uh, all your business experience. And we're going to have you back on in the future to kind of share more about the other things you're involved with and then also hear more details about the businesses you're already currently doing. So thanks for coming on today, and we will uh, catch you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone who needs it.